Praise the Lord and welcome in everyone to Sower of Seeds podcast. And I'm your host, Ted Johnson. As always, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's continue to remember our nation. Um, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday the 20th, is the inauguration of our new president, Biden. And let's uh, let's pray that that will be a a smooth uh, inauguration. We'll have no uh, bad riots or anything like that. Continue to pray for all of our um, people in offices uh, and pray for uh, everyone. I pray for our nation. Uh, pray for all the sick. There's so many things that we need to be very, very much in prayer for right now, especially if everything going on. Uh, so let's uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and remember all this. Our kind and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for just being with us and keeping us safe, dear God. And God, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, go out by way of podcast one more time, dear God. And Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would just be with our nation, dear God, and be with our nation's leaders. Lord, that you will just move upon them, dear God, and just take control of their lives. And God, have your way tomorrow in the inauguration of uh, being uh, Joe Biden. God, I pray that, Lord, that you will just... Uh, Lord, just move in a great and mighty way and keep it peaceful and civil, dear God. And Lord, just be with each and every one of the sick, dear God. There's so many people that are sick with so many different things, God. And this COVID-19 is still running a little rampant. And God, I pray, Lord, that you just be with each and every one, dear God, that has that. Be with the ones, dear God, that's on the front lines, the, the doctors, the CMAs, the nurses, dear God, and and the janitors and the receptionists of the hospitals, dear God, and all those that are in the assisted living in the nursing homes, dear God. Lord, just be with each and every one of them. And, Lord, just put a hedge of protection around them, dear God, and keep them safe. And be with all the first responders, dear God. Lord, just move, move in their lives and be with them and keep them safe, dear God. Lord, I, there's just so many things that are going on in the world today, dear God, and Lord, the only thing I can say is in your, you're in control of my life, dear God. And, I, Lord, I pray that you will be in control of this of our nation, Lord, and just have your way. I know time is winding down. It's coming to a close. And, God, I just pray, Lord, that you just, just move in a great and mighty way, dear God. For in Jesus' sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 17, and we're going to start in verse 8 uh, with the judge, judgments by the priest and, uh, and the judges. And uh, if we go back to when uh, they had uh, the children of Israel had first came out of Egypt, and Moses was doing all the judgments. It, it didn't matter what was uh, going on in the people's life. He was the one that was making the judgments, and he was telling them exactly what they needed to do. And uh, his father-in-law, Jethro, told him, said, uh, he said, you know, you're going to wear your, yourself out, and you're going to weary the people because they were standing in line sometimes all day long to to talk to Moses and to get a judgment on 
whatever it was that they, whatever problem that was that they had. And Jethro Tom said, you're going to weary yourself and the people too. said, you need to do something. Put it in my own words. So then uh, he, the Lord told him to set people in place. So he pet, set people in place, uh, different judges. It was judges over 10, judges over uh, 50 and 100, I believe it was. I can't remember the exact number, but there they was a lot of judges that, that uh, Moses went through all the tribes and picked these judges out. And if you had a problem, uh, whatever problem it might be, you, went, you started at the first judge, the, uh, and you moved all the way up till you got to uh, Moses. And when you got to Moses, that was like our Supreme Court now. And... Uh, Whatever he said, you had to abide by. But in uh, Deuteronomy 17, verse 8, If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then thou shalt arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt come unto the priest and the Levites and unto the judge that shall be in those days and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. He said, all right, you're going through all the proper channels and you still can't get satisfaction. You still can't get a judgment. Nobody knows what exactly what to do. So you then go to that place, you know, the place that the, the Lord has set aside for all the uh, – sacrifices and all the offerings to be made at he said you're going to go to that place to the to the priest and the levites and to the judges there and you're going to see them and then whatever they judge that's going to be the ruling that's the one you're going to have to live by and if you don't live by that and you and you live presumptuously and and you won't hearken to them, and you won't do what they say to, then you're going to get in trouble, and you're going to have to to pay the price. You're going to have to pay the penalty, just as you do now. If you if you go in and you uh, you go before the court, the court tells you that say uh, you and a, and a neighbor has gotten an argument over uh, the dog going in his yard or or whatever you know some i don't know what all goes on anymore but you 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 go to the judge and the judge tells tells me okay and me and my neighbors into an argument we have to go to court to get it settled and the judge tells me that i'm gonna have to pay my uh, neighbor fifty dollars for whatever and i don't pay it then i'm gonna get in trouble and i'm going i'm going to end up in jail for not paying this this money that i owe him because we went into the court all right now then say it was something bigger and we went to the judge here in my home uh city and the judge told me that i was going to have to pay a hundred thousand dollars and i didn't pay it nor i didn't like the judgment then i can take it up to another court and to another court till i get all the way up to the the supreme court and when i get up there whatever they say i'm gonna to have to do and that's the way it was with uh moses and that's the way the judgments and the uh things uh 
was set up then. Um, and he told him, he said, if you, you take a matter too hard for the in judgment and you you can't get a ruling on it, you don't know how to rule on it, so you keep stepping up courts until you get to the one place where uh, the Lord has set aside for all the uh, sacrifices and offerings. And when you get there and you go before the priest and the Levites and the judges there, Whatever they say, that's that's the ruling, and you're going to have to abide by it, or you're going to have to pay the penalty. Now then, in verse 14, it says they're going to talk about choosing a king. And it said when you get into, <coughs> let me read that, uh, uh, verse 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brethren. And the Lord told him, said, fine, if you get in there, get in the, on the promised land, you get your, your inheritance set up, and then after you get your cities and everything set up, and you all decide that you want a king to rule over you, that's fine. I'm going to give you some, uh, some stipulations about the king, and they've got to be followed. They've got to be followed to the letter. And he said, it's got to be one of your own people. It can't be a stranger. It's got to be one of your brethren from the tribes of Israel. And it's got to be one of them. And it's got to be the one that I'm going to call. Now then, after he gets set up, the Lord goes and, and says, now after he is, you, uh, you set the one in as king that I choose. Now then, verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, he shall hence, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of the law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left hand, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Lord said, all right. So said, now you can set you up a king. 
Anybody that, whoever I tell you to set up, you set him up as king. Then, when you set this person up as king, he cannot use his powers and his his uh, place, his king, his uh, position as a king. He cannot use that to uh, make himself rich, uh, to to make him uh, to have a lot of horses and a lot of earthly things. And, 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 and I don't want him to have a lot of wives because his wives can, can, uh, worry him and, and aggravate him and, and, uh, cause him to even cause him to follow after other gods. And if we go back to Saul, to Saul, I believe Saul, uh, Saul had a lot of wives and they got to, they got to talking about all their different, uh, gods and everything. And he got, he got to following after them. I believe it's Solomon. It was Solomon. And he got to following after all the different wives and everything and ended up in trouble with the Lord because of that. I was trying to find, uh, where that was at. Uh, it was in, but anyway, it was one of the kings, uh, Solomon. It was Solomon when he asked for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom, and he had he had quite a few wives and concubines and, and handmaidens and all this, and they all basically, uh, biggest part of them had their own god that they served, and they. They enticed Solomon, and he got to following after other gods and everything. And he 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 got away from the Lord and got to following after these other gods. And, and God had to wake him up and get him back to where he was at. And that's the reason why that the Lord put this that God put this part in here about not having too many wives because of that very thing that Solomon did do. See, that's the bad thing about the children of Israel, all the things that we have read about that God has telling them not to do is they end up doing the biggest part of them. Uh, and they've already been warned and told, you know, that you don't do this. Well, you know, we as children of God, God has told us so many times that we don't, we don't need to be doing this. We don't need to be following after, after this, uh, God and after that God and, and, go whoring after everything of this world and everything. And then what do we do? We turn around and we do. That's what exactly what we do. That's what we're told not to do. And then we wonder why that, that the Lord is not moving in our life the way that we think that he ought to. It's for the simple reason that we have walked away from him and started chasing after other things. And God's not going to work in our life. It's not that he doesn't want to, but he, he can't because we are no longer in his will and doing what he wants us to do. So there then we, we have messed up and we, uh, we are, are out of his will. Now then we need to repent and we need to get back to where we were at, to where God can start blessing us and using us all over again. And Solomon you know, Solomon, God asked Solomon, what what can I give you? What is it that you want from me? And Solomon could have asked for uh, 
anything in the world, anything in the world. It doesn't matter. He could he could have been the richest man. He can uh, he could ask for all kinds of things. But there was one thing that that Solomon wanted more than anything. He was a young boy, and he wanted the wisdom to rule God's people. That's all he wanted. And he told, that, that's what he asked God for. He said, I want wisdom that I may rule your people and to, and to judge them and to uh, look after them and to keep them uh, healthy and safe and everything. That's, that's what he wanted. He wanted the wisdom to, uh, he told the Lord, he said, these people are, are a great people. They are many people. And I cannot do this, and I need the wisdom to do it. And because that's what he wanted, God also gave him uh, the wisdom, and he gave him riches, and he gave him knowledge, and he gave him all kinds of things because he selfishly asked for something to help him to help God's people. See, that's, that's what we need to be doing today is we need to be asking God not so not for so much stuff of this world as to have the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom to to lead his pe lead the people that are lost and uh, undone. We need to lead them to Jesus, and then we need the the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding to help them after that they give their heart and life to God. It's it's not you know our our job is not over. When we talk to someone and they give their heart and life to God, our job is not over. It's really just begun because they are very new. Uh, they are just babes in Christ, and they have to learn and they have to grow. Uh, there's something completely new to them. And we, as the elders, the older ones that's been uh, saved for a long time, this is where that we use our knowledge that the Lord has given us of our travels on this journey to help them along the way. And, and you know, we, we, we can't just get them saved and say, all right, you're on your own, go for it. No, that, that won't work. We've got to be there for them. We, and we've got to let them know and prove to them that whenever they, they need something from us that we're going to be there. Not just say that we're going to be there and then when they call or whatever and we give them excuses and end up not doing anything. We've got to be there for them. And he said, you can't multiply your horses and you can't go back to Egypt for the simple reason to get horses to, to increase your, your uh, herd. He said, I, you don't go that way anymore. You don't go toward Egypt anymore. You stay away from that. You don't even walk toward it. You stay away from Egypt. I brought you out of that place. You don't need to go back there. Today, Lord has brought us out of sin. He has forgive us, forgiven us of our sins. He has brought us out of that place. Now then, we do not need to go back there. We do not need to go back there. There's nothing back there for us. There's nothing back there for a child of God anymore. Sure, I, I, at one point in time, 
after I got saved, you know, I, I kept thinking about the things that were back there and the things that I were doing. They were, they were fun things. And, and I was having a lot of hard time. I was going through a lot of growing pains and, and different things like that. And I looked back quite a few times. But then after I got older in the Lord and I got, uh, got to praying more and got to studying God's word more and everything, I found out that I have got time to worry about what was or to think about what was back there when I was out in sin because I have got so much more ahead of me that I need to learn about and I need to understand and I don't have time to think about that because I am always looking forward. And there's a point in our lives to where that we, we're going to have to get to that point, to where we don't care about the things of this world anymore. We are worried, more worried about heaven and the things of heaven and being about the Father's business and leading the lost to Jesus and ministering to those that are less fortunate and uh, need ministering to those that are new converts uh, showing them the way to the Lord. And then when they give their heart and life to God to, to tutor them and to help them to along their way to where that they can, they can stand on their own and they can do on their own and go off on their own. But we, we need to, uh, first of all, get them on our heart and mind and pray for the lost and, you know, see the thing about it is if we can get one saved, and we can we can help that person, tutor that person, nurture that person, and get them to where they're they're really rooted and grounded in the Lord, and they're they're ready to go out and fight the fight. They have put on the whole armor of God, and they're ready to go. When they get to that, <clears throat> when they get to that point, they can go out and they can they can win a soul to the Lord, and they can help that person get stronger in the Lord and stand on their two feet. And that person goes out, it's a domino effect, and it just keeps going and going and going. But see, when the thing about it is, is there's so many new converts that give their heart and life to God, and then uh, the next thing you know, uh, we look around, and they're out of church, and they're back out in sin, and they're back doing the things that, that they, they were doing before. Why? Because we, as Christians, we dropped the ball. We were supposed to be the ones that were keeping an eye on them and, and praying for them and letting them know that we're there whenever they need us. And uh, it doesn't matter what kind of question they have. There's no stupid questions. The only stupid question when you're living for the Lord is the one that's not answered. Because if it's important and it's on your mind, it needs to be answered no matter what it is. No matter how, how crazy it sounds to you, it needs to be answered and, and because it's on your mind and you need, to, you need to have it answered. So that's where we come in, Christians. We come in when we answer those questions. If we don't have the answer to the question that they ask us, let them know that we will find out the answer to that question and we will get back with them and then do it. Find out what the answer is and then get back to them. Don't leave them in the dark. And that's what, that's what uh, <clears throat> Solomon was asking for, was the wisdom to know how to do that, exactly how to do that. 
Verse, or chapter 18, <clears throat> the Lord's inheritance of the priests and the Levites. Now, you remember, the Lord uh, set the Levites, he set them aside for himself. They are not counted with the twelve, and their inheritance is not with the twelve. Their inheritance is with the Lord. The Lord is the one that is going to uh, take care of them, and he's always going to make sure that they have exactly what they need, just as like he does for the Christians today. He makes sure that we have everything that we need. But these these were a very special. These people would be like your ministers and uh, your ministers, your Sunday school teachers, your uh, evangelists, and uh, all these that that really. Uh, proclaimed the word uh, in a great way these, these this would be the Levites and we we take they take care of the church and they they're they're constantly thinking about the church and and not, I'm not talking about the building I'm talking about the church God's people they're continually ministering to them to those people and helping those people and uh, this is where the Levites come in at and God has set it up to where that, that's all they have to do is to minister into the tabernacle, minister into the people, and uh, they don't have to worry about planting or, or uh, keeping herds or anything like that because their job is to take care of um, the children, the church, the tabernacle. And the Lord told them uh, back a uh, couple uh, two or three chapters ago that they need when they go in and they they move into a city and they set up and everything their inheritance in a city that the Levites was to build around the outside of that city they was to completely encompass that city like they did the tabernacle if you remember when when they finally when the Lord got all of the uh, children of Israel and their tribes together and set them up on all four sides of the tabernacle. He did the same thing for the Levites. He set them, their tribes, their tribes or families up. He set those up on different sides of the tabernacle. The uh, priest uh, at that time was Aaron and his sons. They were to be encamped in front of the tabernacle right in front of the gate. <coughs> Now then, he's he's saying, uh, I'm going to take care of them. Uh, and if we go on and we get into all the different offerings and everything like that, we're going to find out that <clears throat> a lot of the offerings and the sacrifices that, that came into the tabernacle, all this went to the Levites to, to uh, keep them healthy and to feed them and... Uh, and they could also, they could sell some of this stuff and that, so that they may have money to buy things that they didn't have, maybe their clothes or shoes or whatever. But the Lord is taking care of them. They're, they don't have an inheritance of land per se. He told them he wanted them to build around the uh, each one of the cities. They were to build their, their home, their houses were to be built around the cities. And they were to minister uh, to the people's needs, to the church's needs, to the tabernacle's needs. They were that's that was 
their job and that was their their only job. But the the pre, in chapter eighteen, the priests and the Levites and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he has said unto them, and this shall be the priest's due from the people. From them that offer a sacrifice, where there be an ox or a sheep, and they shall give unto the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the maw. Uh, the first fruits also of thy corn and of thy wine, of thy oil, and the first of the fleece of, of thy sheep shalt thou give him. For the Lord thy God hath chosen him out of all thy tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. And if and and he said here, if a Levite come from any of thy gates out of all Israel, where he sojourned, and come with all the desire of his mind unto the place which the Lord shall choose, then he shall minister in the name of the Lord his God, as all his brethren the Levites do, which stand there before the Lord. And they shall have like portions to eat besides that which cometh of the sale of his patrimony or his uh, inheritance or the things that uh, are actually given to the church, which are theirs. They can sell this and they can use this money for different things. See, the Lord is taking care of his people. He's taking care of all of them for 40 plus years as they was wandering around in the wilderness and and he, he kept them fed, he kept them clothed, he kept them hydrated, he kept and kept shoes on their feet. Even the ones that were born while they, while they were out there, they always had food, they always had clothes, they always had water. The Lord took care of them. So what is our problem? Our problem is unbelief. We have been... Uh, we have had it drilled into us since we started the school that we need to go to school. We need need to get a good education. We need to go to college. We need to find out what we're going to do in life, and we need to pursue that line of, of uh, training, of teaching, of learning, and then we need to go out and we need to find us a good-paying job buy a house, start a, uh, get married, start a family, and this has been drilled into us uh, when we should be telling our children that the uh, first thing that they need to do is they need to learn about the Lord and exactly what the Lord has in store for them and exactly what the Lord can do for them. And then this other stuff, this is sort of second, second fiddle stuff, this is one of those things where that uh, you need to uh, succeed in this world, but if you want to succeed in the spiritual realm, you need the Lord more than anything. All the other stuff, all your 
all your teachings and all everything that you learn in, in school and college and all these different places, all that knowledge comes from God to begin with. All good and perfect things come from above. So all the knowledge that, that you gather during your lifetime, that all comes from God. But we need to teach our children to have faith. We need to teach our children to uh, trust in the Lord, not in man, not in the things of this world, not in money, but we need to, to have, tell, teach them to have faith in the Lord and to trust the Lord for everything that they need to uh, succeed in this, this world. But, you know, the thing about it is, is it gets to the point at some point in time in our teaching during all of our schooling and everything that if uh, if you don't have a, uh, a million dollar home and, and, and if you don't drive a $250,000 vehicle and you don't wear shoes that cost you uh, three or four or $5,000, then you ain't nothing. And that's, that's basically what our, our society today is saying to our children. If you, don't, if you don't have the best of everything, you ain't nothing. Listen, I want to I I set you straight, real straight right quick on that. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you ain't nothing. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how big your your house is. I don't care how fine your car is. I don't care how fine your clothes and your shoes are. If you don't have the Lord, you don't have nothing. Because everything that you have put in so much stock into is all going to disappear. It's all going to burn up one of these days. It ain't going to be left. It's, it's all going to be gone. And then all you're going to be left with is your soul. Now then... What have you done with your soul? Have you sold your soul for all the niceties of this world? A big bank account, a fine home, a power and prestige and all that. Have you sold your soul for that? Or have you given your soul to the Lord and let him have control of it and have taught you a better way? It's going to come down to one of those two questions one day. As we read before and studied before, when the children of Israel went into the promised land, the Lord told them, I'm going to give you a curse or a blessing. You choose which one you want. That's the choice that we have today, people. We, we think we choose so many other things, but the one choice that we have that means everything in our life is do we choose a curse or we do we choose a blessing? Now then, as I have said before, you choose the curse, you choose Satan. You live for him. You, you chase after the, the nice things of this. You chase after this world, period. The money, the, the big homes, and all that stuff, and the prestige, and the power, and, and people looking up to you, and all that. Or you choose the blessing. You choose the Lord. You choose to live for him, and he blesses you, and he gives you what you need to make it through this life. You have happiness, 
you have peace, you have joy, you have contentment. You are not worried about your money. You're not worried about your home. You're not worried about dying. So which one is it? Which one do you choose? Do you choose a curse or do you choose a blessing? It's that simple. The Levites, they chose the blessing. They chose to serve God. They chose to do exactly what the Lord wanted them to do. Children of Israel, they're like some of the religious world today. They want to go to heaven, but they want to go to heaven on their own terms. They want to go to heaven, but they want to have the best of everything, and they want to to go off and, and chase after everything of the world, but they still want to go to heaven. They want to go to heaven, but they don't want to do what the Lord wants them to do and uh, follow after him and listen to him, but they want to go to heaven. It don't work that way. You've got to follow the Lord. You've got to have him in your heart. You have got to get away from sin, repent from sin, not to do it no more, and, and seek the Lord and seek all the things of him and leave the world alone because the world can't save you. All the world can do is drag you down and rob you of your peace, rob you of your joy, rob you of your salvation, and rob you of everything else. Abominations against the Lord. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of these nations. See, now here we go again. The Lord is going to get back on, on to following after everything of the world, following after the gods of all the people, the nations that they're to run out of this promised land that the Lord has given them, uh, not to chase after <clears throat> all their gods and worship their gods. And um, and at one point in time, he basically tells them to don't even ask about them. Don't even, don't even try to find out what's going, how to, or what all they do to worship these gods and everything. Don't, don't, don't even bother with that. Just destroy them, forget about them, and be done with them. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. God said, I don't want, I don't want, no part of these people. They're abomination to me. They need to be destroyed. You you don't need to be. Uh, you don't need to have no part of them. You don't need need to uh, to uh, chase after psychics and, and psychics and palm readers and and all these different things that's going on that's in this world today. You don't need to be following after these. You need to be following after me. Don't worry about what they do. Don't even don't even get curious about what they do. Don't. All you need to know is, is they need to be destroyed. And if they pop up in your people, in the Israelite people, if they if they pop up in the Israelite people, they need to be destroyed. 
because that stuff does not, God does not want any part of that stuff. And God has no part of that stuff. It doesn't matter what uh, some psychic on the phone tells you. That, that's not God. God has not, God has not one thing to do with that. That is directly from Satan and it will get you in trouble and it will, it will cost you in the long run more than it's worth. Because Satan uses these people to, to twist you up and to make you think that these people are really something, and th- then they will they will twist you up and they will get you to believe in this stuff and they will get you to to where that you start doing everything that you can to make what they're telling you come true, and you end up in trouble. You end up in trouble. See, that's the thing about it. It's when God tells you you need to do something, uh, whatever it may be. Um, just well, we take we'll take this podcast for instance. Lord started working with me to to do this podcast. Okay, now really, uh, when it comes right down to it, I'm computer I'm computer illiterate. I, there's I know a lot less than than what I do know, but I. Well, the Lord and I had a lot of discussions about this. I said, all right, Lord. Finally, I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this. And I said, you're going to have to make a way for me to know just exactly what I need to do to get this thing up and running. So I bought a book. I bought a book. And I started, and I bought the computer and the, and the microphone and everything. And, and I started setting things up and, and I spent a lot of time in tears and I spent a lot of time asking God for, to forgive me and, and for, for my failures and, and I, and for, for my forgetfulness and things like that. But the thing about it is, is everything fell in place just exactly like it should be. Yes, I had to do some work. I had to do some work. I had to, I had to get the equipment. I had to get the book. I had to read the book, and then as I was going along, doors started opening up, and the Lord showed me the way to go. That is of God. Now then, on the other hand, if if somebody comes to you and tells you that you need that you should be doing something uh, that you should be singing or that you should be a minister or something like that they come to you and they tell you that you should be doing that and then you proceed to follow after this and every time you turn around you're falling on your face and doors are getting shut in your face and things are going wrong every way you turn and it's just there's just something missing in it. That's not of God. That's not of God. Because when the Lord tells you to do something and you do it, he's going to open every door that you need. He's going to open them up. And he will continue to open them up for you as long as you listen to him and as long as you follow him, he will keep opening up doors. Because he wants you to succeed and he wants you to do his will. Now then, he's got he's got you on his side and you're wanting to do what he wants you to do. So now then, he's going to give you everything and every opportunity to do whatever it is. 
that he wants you to do. And he will use you in a great and a mighty way. And he will bless you. And you will get to the point to where when you first start out, you're, you're very apprehensive and, and you're still questioning yourself. Am I supposed to be doing this? Is this really, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? But as you go along and, and, you, and it really clicks in your mind that, hey, this is exactly what the Lord wants me to do because everything is falling right in place. Just I mean, just every piece of the puzzle fits perfectly together and you just keep going right along. And you will want you will find yourself wanting to do a little bit more. You will find yourself wanting to do something else for the Lord. You will find you will find a peace and a blessing and a contentment and and things that you you never knew even existed. There's there's a joy. Let me tell you, there is a joy in serving the Lord and working for the Lord like that you have never experienced in your life. And when you do experience it, you can't explain. You can't tell other people what it's like because it, 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 is, it is that personal thing between you and the Lord and nobody else can ever feel what you feel. When you get to that point to where you're serving the Lord and you're working for him and doing for him, he will bless you. Contentment, nothing nothing really worries you. There's a lot of things that concerns you because of the outcome and because of things are taking place and you know what's going on because you have read and studied God's word and you know exactly what's going on and you know what's going to happen in the end. And those things concern you, and it gets it gets to the point to where that it it's on your mind all the time, and you know that's that's the one thing that that really gets me is is the the lost of this world. They they it is is unthinkable of the people that that are lost, and and it. And the one thing that worried that really scares me more than anything is the people out there that are lost, that Satan has got them fooled into thinking that they are going to heaven. And see, those, those are the ones that Jesus had so much trouble out of when he walked upon this earth. It wasn't the, the, the publicans and the sinners and, and the, the hardcore uh, murderers and things like that. It wasn't those people. Those people accepted him. It was those religious people that thought that the only way to heaven was their way, and if you didn't follow them and you didn't believe exactly the way they believed, you weren't going to make it into heaven. That's the ones that worries me the most, the most because Satan has got them so so fooled and so twisted around and, and uh, has got blinders on them to where that they can't see nothing and they think that they're all right. Those are the ones that worries me the most. Though they worry me the most. Listen, I thank you all for, for listening to me and I, I, I hope that you all got something out of this and uh, I know I... I I think a lot of times I lay in bed in bed at night some 
sometimes and I get to thinking about the podcast or what I've said during the day and and I start praying for the people that are listening and I, one thing that I that I I want more than anything is just just to get that little seed planted you know that that one thing that I I might say that that gets your mind to going and and you start uh, looking into something and you start studying a little bit more and you start reading the Bible a little bit more and praying a little bit more. And that's what I want. And, and more than anything else is I want people to get closer to God, give their heart and life to God, live for the Lord and trust in the Lord and have faith in the Lord, no matter what's going on in this world. But I hope y'all got something out of it and may God bless you. Until the next time.